We're back on Date with the Night, and joining me is a multidisciplinary artist, DJ, and founding member of Brooklyn Garage rock band Habibi. She just released her single, Fables, featuring Beck off of her upcoming debut solo album, Flowers at Your Feet. I'm so happy to be joined by Raheel. How are you today, Raheel? Hi. I'm doing really good. I'm very excited to be on your show. Thank you. We're so excited to have you. You have such an impressive musical resume and clearly such a love and passion for all things music. How did you get started in music? I was kind of put on because my dad is a huge, huge fan of music. So it's always been sort of uh, ever present happening thing. Like my dad was listening to his tapes and like CDs. And I basically just sought out to like find good music, which was really hard. I grew up in like Lansing, Michigan. There's not much here. <laughs> so I kind of just like tried to find like other punks or other people who cared, found a record store, started booking shows. I was underage, but I convinced this local bar to let me book punk shows called Max Bar in Lansing. That's kind of how I started. That was like high school era. That's so sick. I love your like punk roots there, finding a gig <laughs> while underage and being able to convince them to let you play. What were your musical influences growing up, especially finding a record store and being able to go there and explore all the different artists that are out there? My first CD I purchased was Aaliyah, of course. Yes. And I got that at Best Buy. It wasn't even at the record store, but it was like my uncle was like, I'll buy you a present. And I was like, perfect. I feel like it was just what was around me. So there was like a punk scene that was happening with like older kids. I was like, oh, these are like the cool kids. They don't care at all about anything besides like music and skateboarding. I was pretty into that. And then there was like a hip hop scene that was also happening in Detroit. And we used to like sneak to Detroit and go and see like really cool groups that are kind of Dilla era inspired Detroit hip hop things. And of course, like punks from like Detroit too, like Stooges influenced MC5. So like White Stripes shows were happening when I was still in high school, right before they got huge, but like they had some buzz, you know, so there were all these things happening. And I kind of was happy to be pulled in different directions because I really liked all of it. I didn't really stay in one lane, basically. There's a lot of people who feel like they have this musical purist side where they can only listen to like one genre, only right. one genre is the best genre. So I think musicians who are appreciative of everything that's out there are the ones that can build this really eclectic musical resume. Totally. I'm such a fan of Habibi. And I'm loving your solo music as well, like the first single. What did you want to do with your solo project that was different from the music you created with your band, Habibi? I really appreciate all of that. That's so nice to hear. With Habibi, it's always been nice and it's been sort of a sisterhood, especially with Lenny, who I've written the previous records with and like most of the music. She was also in Michigan. So there was this like Motown influence, you know, this punk influence, like all this shared loves. But there was so much more that I wanted to branch out and into that I just felt it wasn't in the cards for Habibi. It was just nice to sort of be behind the wheel alone and making like decisions. This was sort of my entire scope of all of my influences, being able to pour it all into one thing. I think I didn't realize I had always wanted to do that until I started working with Alex, the producer. And doing this because it was such a bigger expression for me to be able to, basically. How do you and Alex complement each other creatively in producing this album? 
it was like very kismet to have met him and to like hit it off because he's such a nerd about music in the same way I am just like full fledged every freaking session we had together we would go down a rabbit hole like two hours later we're like watching Sesame Street YouTubes you know (laughs) so it's like what are we doing you know (laughs) that's what it was and that's like that relationship where it's so comfortable like he's not afraid of saying like oh I love a anthem song or like a crowd pleaser song he recognized that I'm such a sucker for a good pop song and like good hooks and good melodies. I like that I have a naivety where I'm able to just put something out there and feel like closure about like, it didn't tick all the boxes, but I don't even know what boxes existed. You know, I think he kind of loved that freedom of just going for an idea with me. We had like a really good chemistry. I wasn't really afraid to explore things and Again, it wasn't like I'm searching for it to sound a particular way. It was like, oh, this sounds cool. Let's keep this going, you know? Yeah. You've just released your second single, Fables, featuring Beck. It's such a fantastic song. How did you and Beck meet? And what was it like collaborating with such a prolific musician for this song? (laughs) It was so random. Also kismet. I was at a show at Zebulon in LA. I learned it was a mutual friend of ours, a band called Gustav. They're from New York, actually. Yes, love Gustav. Yeah, so good. Shout out Gustav. After the show, I was standing with actually my bandmate from Habibi, Lenny. And then I just kind of noticed Lenny went silent or something strange (laughs) happened. And then to my right, I was like, oh, hey, to the stranger And they were like, oh, what'd you think of the show? Mid replying, it like clocked me. I was like, wow, this is Beck before my eyes, you know? And I think I made that remark out loud like a, oh, (laughs) but he was so kind and humble. And we just started talking about how Gustav was great. And we like, we're going to make plans to like hang out while I was in LA, but we were on a tour. So I ended up not being able to like connect with him again, but we stayed in touch and it was kind of cool. It was like, I was going up the coast and I had sent him like this random thing because we had just stopped off in Trinidad, California, which is, by the way, never don't stop there. I was hungover and I was like, no, I don't really want to see this cliff. Somebody from the band was like, come and look at this cliff, Raw. I was like, no, I'm good. I just came back from Bali two months ago. I don't care about the ocean side. And they were like, you're insane. you got to come out. So I like walked outside and I was like, okay, this is actually magnificent. And then we looked on this rock and it said buried at sea and Don Von Vliet, Captain Beefheart, his name was the first name we saw on the stone. So I was like, oh, that's crazy. I was chatting with Beck that day. I like finally got the courage to like, because, you know, it's Beck, my yeah. idol from like high school, literally. I was like, oh, it's so wild. Do you know like Captain Beefheart? And he was like, oh, yeah, he used to hang out there. And then I just realized, oh, this dude is like a lifer. For sure, we're going to bond. He's just always been encouraging of music. And I shared with him the early parts of the record. He was just like, this is great. You got to release this all together. Like, don't release it as a single. You have like an album in the making. The song Fables was the last song that we had recorded. So it was the furthest song from the core of the album, which actually started before COVID. So imagine, much like I'm sure so many artists you've talked to, people who've like recorded in the span of COVID, it's taken like a long time for music to come out. Yeah. So Fables always felt really far away from the rest of the music, almost to the point where I was like, does it belong with this group of songs? And so 
I was like, well, it's kind of the perfect song to be given this last dose. I was like, hey, do you have any interest in doing something with a song, being featured, remixing it? You know, I had no idea. I'll ask anything. I have no fear, really. He was like, oh, yeah, here's something. And I was like, what? (laughs) That's amazing. It's interesting you said it's the last song to be created for that album. So was there any sort of inspiration or feeling you were having while writing that song? Yes, absolutely. I remember the very moment right on the eve of COVID, my partner and I moved upstate basically. And then we just stayed there because we don't want to stay in our Chinatown shoebox apartment during this kind of gnarly time. Good call. Yeah. So like all of the music was written, at least the start of it was written in New York City. And then this song, Fables, was written outside. We're kissing Massachusetts, basically. So I always drive into Massachusetts to like grocery shop or whatever. And I remember I was like driving on the highway to get into Massachusetts to go to like my stop and shop. It was like spring vibes, like sun's coming out. And there was a song on the radio. And I was just like, hell yeah, you know what? I got to write a freaking summer jam that just has like an infectious beat that stays with you and is timeless, but it's right now for me. And so I called Alex. I think I just hummed a melody live because I get excited and don't think about what I'm about to do. And he was like, yeah, that probably will be great. (laughs) So I thought of it just driving. And I think that you can hear it in the song. It's such a song to drive to, you know? Yeah, definitely. It is a very bright song. The music video for Fables was shot in L.A. and stars back an NCIS actress and fellow Iranian-American Medallion Rahimi. How did the concept of this music video come together? Well, I have an old friend of mine who is a genius, her and her boyfriend, Julian. They've been like directors. Their track of who they've worked with goes from like Kanye to Beyonce to like every single fashion brand. And Irie hit me up because I did a little EP of covers and she was like, when you put out your music, I would love to work together, which was music to my ears. Because, you know, when you see your friend get really successful in whatever their creative avenues are, you're like, ah, too bad. That ship sailed. We could have worked together. But now they're like, you know, for the stars. So I sent her fables because I was like, well, I guess she'd kind of be working with the star Bex on it. So she was very ambitious and drafted this crazy genius idea. The song fables kind of lends a lot of idea to the name itself. And I saw it as like the Odyssey, kind of like a tall tale that just is like a real epic. And she just took it to like the 12th level of epicness. You know, I was like, am I going to go bankrupt? But (laughs) no, we, (laughs) the art didn't suffer. And we really like basically made a really magical modern day Odyssey. It's a great music video. It's really cool how you combine so many of these different influences in your music. And you're very influenced by like what I've read is 60s and 70s pop music from Iran. Is that correct? Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff from that time. What is the importance there for you to have that as inspiration when it comes to music making? 60s and 70s was this time where like suddenly you hear the influence of Western music. So I think that the sound that was captured in Iran, but also elsewhere, is so unique because it marries a culture's own sound into this new arena of sounds. And just each 
country's version of what rock was or what jazz was, like what these new genres of music were. It's just so inspiring still. I find it so cool. That to me is the warmest sound in my ear because it is these two identities of mine combined. It's like I love Iranian music. I love traditional music, but then I do love like electric guitar and like I do love like jazz. That was like a time capsule of when the two came together, you know? And so that's like why it's like an endless trove of sound for me, inspiration. You've incorporated a lot of really cool personal elements to this album, including like a selection of personal recordings, like audio from home movies and field recordings. And you have these references to film and poetry. It's like, what is your production process for tracks that include this kind of audio? And does the audio inspire the music or does the music inspire the selection of audio or both? That's a good question. I find like great importance in like every day. I'm just always recording my like voice memos on my phone is what takes up the most space on my phone. You know, if there's anything that I hoard, it's memory. It's like ephemera and it's like these sonic fossils, basically. And so I think at the time, I'm never like thinking, oh, it's going to be put into something. But because they're so meaningful to me, I kind of like love this idea of putting these little prizes that the listener might not know. But to me, I know what that's from. I just really like hidden eggs of like an Easter egg hunt or something, you know, where it's like, oh, some of them will never be found out. But for me, it's just important to like put that library of sounds and moments of my life into one catalog is just very meaningful. I love that. I'm actually the same. I have so much space taken up on my phone of just like <laughs> recordings. I'll be on like a hike in the forest nearby my apartment at six in the morning and there's like the cicadas and like that sound of just like summer. And I'm like, totally. oh, I got to like capture this because I am kind of the same with ephemera, like just like yeah. being transported back into a moment. So it's really cool the way you've incorporated that into your music. Do you ever take field recordings in New York where you live now? All the time. And you know, you just reminded me, Tell Me, which was one of the earlier songs that I recorded. The original recording I sent to Alex, my apartment in Chinatown touches this Hasidic school. One of the classrooms is always on recess, I swear. And the <laughs> like, my window is just like to the backyard. So I forgot it was even there because you got so used to your surroundings. But I remember at the time, like I would send Alex all these recordings. He'd be like, where are you? Are you in like a <laughs> child classroom? So in the actual sample beat we created for Tell Me, in the original, like the original vocal of mine, there is a kid screaming that he never took out. That's cool that Alex is receptive of that too. It really speaks to like your beautiful and cohesive collaboration <laughs> together. Totally. Can you tell me like, about your fashion because that's also like inspired by where you live I've read like New York itself you have really great style so oh, thank you that's so kind in New York I love it because I have this folder on my phone of basically street style but it's of the elderly because there are so many fashionable OGs just like in every single neighborhood like Sometimes I'm just moved to be like, you have incredible style. And they're just like, I know. <laughs> but I mean, it kind of comes from all over, honestly, like mob movies, westerns. I'll watch a Pasolini film and be like, OK, that's it. Everything is tunic and like everything is getting sent to like be made tailored, you know, or like soccer players or like blue note jazz musicians. It really comes from every direction. I get excited and then I get tunnel vision. But if you look at my closet, it's basically 
all of those things I just mentioned in a more masculine way. I'm not like a dress person. I never have been. always try to be, but the body I was given just doesn't work for me. But I feel like it's endless inspiration. In New York, it was so easy because, again, it's just like there's some crazy swag levels from the elderly to the youth that you're always like, wow. What's your holy grail item that you've thrifted? Like, is there one item where you're like, I was in the right place at the right time? I feel like it's happened to me a few times over in my life, to be honest. I thrifted this old Raging Bull, like the old De Niro movie shirt, which was insane in Texas once on a tour, which I like couldn't believe. It was under $100. That was like sacrilege for them to do that. I feel like I think of something and then it manifests on the next trip that I have to like the thrift store. You know, I'm like, oh, I really wish I had a suede fringe purple vest. And then it's like before my eyes. I'm like, how did that happen? But I can't think of anything off the top. No, that was a good answer. And I think that's a good point for listeners. So manifest it. Just picture it in your mind and it will come to you eventually. It will. It really will. It truly will. I promise. This ties into my next question, because while living in New York, you also worked at Academy Records for a few years and you are an NTS resident as well. So I imagine your record collection is pretty impressive. I also just watched a What's in Your Bag video on YouTube today featuring yourself where you go through some records that you stumbled upon. Mm. What's your holy grail record purchase and what's that one record you're still on the hunt for so we can (laughs) manifest it? I love that. I would say holy grail purchase was... This record, Ghetto Brothers, Power Fuerza. I don't know if you're familiar, but they were like a gang that turned into like a musical group. It's just amazing, infectious, joyous music. Oh, check it out. There's also an incredible documentary that's the name of it isn't coming to mind right now, but their music's on Spotify. It's incredible. It's a hard one to find. And I think it has been reissued, but not in recent years. The reissue, it goes for a lot of money. So what's the one record, though, that you're still on the hunt for that you hope to one day stumble upon? At the moment, I'm looking for a Larry LeVon Sesame Street 12-inch. It's his first mix. He's like an old dance DJ, basically. I want to start off every single dance set with this record, and I can't find it. I can't find it. It was a wall record at Academy for a month. I was supposed to come down and get it from the city. When I got there, it was sold. So I keep missing it, basically. I don't think I have the one you're specifically talking about, but my mom used to buy like all these kids' records for my brothers who grew up in the 80s and then me in the 90s. And so we do have some Sesame Street vinyl. You know what's a jam? If you remember the pinball song, it's like yes. one, two, three, yes. four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's a fucking jam. I play that song out. I'm like, y'all better remember. And if you don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> After this, I'm going to go right away and check the track listings and I'll send you a picture of it. But Amazing. I don't think I have the one you're looking for. But... Amazing. Well, that's okay. That's okay. Well, I hope you find it one day. We will manifest this. I love a challenge. If there was like one band that you could listen to for the rest of your life, Stranded on a desert island, what would that be? Meaning I would be with them and they would be like, there? Is this what that means? Sure, we can potentially, you can just (laughs) click up your fingers, snap of your fingers, they're there. (laughs) Serenade (laughs) you on your lonely days spent on this island. (laughs) Weirdly, I decided on the Ronettes. That's a perfect answer. (laughs) 
I just read Ronnie Spector's biography. I mean, seriously, read it. It is amazing. I will. Who isn't singing those songs to their grave? Seriously. And when has it not served a person to hear the Ronettes? They're in every single like mob movie. I mean, they're just like, they're the most timeless thing. So the Ronettes. At first, when that train was happening in the back, I thought that was music playing. I was like, are you revving up the Ronettes there? Like, are we going to hear? I was going to say, oh, no, there's, there's a train right behind my parents' house. I was hoping one wasn't going to come by during this hour. I love hearing that kind of stuff. Kind of connects back to your field recording yes. influence in your music. So I think that's a great answer. That's actually one of the most unique answers I've probably heard for a Desert Island band. What's the best concert you've been to recently? Jeez, I'm trying to think. Who have I seen recently that blew me away? Well, I saw Mary Lattimore, who I really love. She's a harpist. Oh, nice. I saw her in L.A. while I was there. Since I was little, I wanted to, like, play the harp. But it's, like, that huge harp. My, I guess we could have got, like, a baby one. I don't know what you call the, like, smaller harps. I didn't know those existed, but you should get one of those. <laughs> You my friends totally were like, we're not buying that giant thing. <laughs> I think they were like really expensive too. They're like, no, we're not investing in that. But <laughs> that is cool though. I love Harpus, so. Upstate, sadly, where we are, there's not a lot of live music that comes, but Habibi played the ACL Fest not so long ago. And oh, nice. Again, I was kind of trying to chill backstage and my bandmates were like, Ra, are you really not going to see Lil Nas X? And I was like, no, I think I'm good. Like, I think I'm good. I think I've heard that cowboy song like a thousand times. I think I'm all right. And they're like, dude, you got to just come and see him. And I was like, oh, fine. Like I did it to appease them. And I was stunned by the stardom that I witnessed. I would have to say that was one of the more incredible (laughs) performances I have seen of a true rock star. Like he like rocked the stage. His dancers, they were incredible. So I guess Lil Nas X blew my mind. The production value of that show alone, even if someone's not a fan, you still would be blown away by the actual like theatrics of it all. 100%. And I could have sounded like I was a hater. It was just more indifference because I didn't really know. And then I was like, oh, this is a Lil Nas song. I guess I didn't know his full discography. And also for the performance value is so high to just even witness it. It was very cool. Yeah, he's a very interesting artist. I love that he sampled Fiona Apple too in one of his Amazing. songs. She, she doesn't normally let that like happen, <laughs> but she was like, I'll, I'll let you because she really liked it, which is cool. So I love that. He thanked himself. He praised himself for doing this part where these huge butterfly wings, like he didn't fall over because he said yeah. every single time before it he had. And he was like, I'm so happy I just did this. He just won me over. He was so funny and he was like yeah. kind. And I believe it. Getting Fiona's like, approval, <laughs> approval, yeah. It's not easy. <laughs> no, he's very charming, very charismatic. I was wondering if your music could be featured in like one film, one song off your upcoming album. What song would it be and what director would be directing that film? Like what genre would the film be? I think Scorsese. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. Scorsese and Chiara Stemi, who he's passed, but he's an Iranian director. But they're like two of my favorite, favorite, favorite directors of all time. And I think for Scorsese, like fables during like a real killing scene would be like incredible. That would, I would be, be sick. like so happy <laughs> we're manifesting it Scorsese if you're listening I know Scorsese come on put we fables have... in your movie <laughs> stream fables now <laughs> how did you come up with the name behind your album flowers at your feet by the way because I meant to ask that earlier and I forgot 
I was just thinking about it today too, because I feel like flowers are just so symbolic. I really love the idea of traditions and I really like sports. Anybody who knows me knows I'm like a jock foremost and then a musician. It's kind of embarrassing. Like (laughs) I love to play sports. I love to sweat. When I think of like flowers at your feet, it just sounds so poetic in this way that kind of is like this gesture and ceremonial in sports. You place flowers at their feet when they like won first place in the Olympics, you know, but then it's also just ceremonial in these other ways. Like you arrive in Iran from the airport back in the day, they would greet you with flowers or you bring like flowers to like a grave site, you know. Yeah. I just think it's such a beautiful gesture. And there's so many like references on this album to the people who I love in my life. So it's just kind of like a honoring of all the people who I love in my life. Yeah, it's a beautiful name. You're helping out with the documentary that's coming out about soccer, aren't you? Yeah, 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 exactly. It's about the Chinatown soccer crew that meets up in Chinatown on like Foresight in the park over there and just have been playing over a decade. And I've just been playing with them on and off. I love to just be like a forever member, although like now. I don't live in Chinatown. I seldom go to the city, but I try to bring my cleats. They're like all older. They have like jobs, so they prioritize 8 a.m. soccer games. And I'm like, I'll try to make it. I'll try to be there, you know, but sometimes I make it. That's really cool. I'm not a sports person. Gym class was the one class I like (laughs) skipped in high school, did everything in my power to avoid. I hated gym class. It's kind of gross. I feel like everybody has trauma from gym class, honestly. (laughs) I definitely do. One of my friends was telling me that on first date she goes on, she's like playing sports. And I'm like, that is like my worst nightmare. I don't want to be like in the spotlight trying to dodge a ball or something. But kudos to people who are brave enough to endure this. That's a red flag. Yeah, (laughs) I feel that way too. You have an upcoming show, Baby's All Right, on May 13th. So that's the day after your album release. What can listeners expect from a performance of yours? Well, certainly no little Nas X, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Honestly, I have such stage fright. I'm told I have Mazzy Star vibes. That's amazing. I'm not mad about that. I'm not mad about that. (laughs) But uh, I'm pretty shy up there. I think the music will be good, but I end up getting really nervous. Sometimes I might pee my pants a little bit. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Viewers will have an amazing time. (laughs) Oh, no, I agree. And you're playing at a really interesting venue because right now it seems to be at the center of like this indie sleaze revival. So it's very (laughs) cool. I think it's a very apt venue for the day after your album release. Yes. Wait, I have a question for you. What did you think of Meet Me in the Bathroom? Back in October, I actually like moderated a talk with Lizzie Goodman being a little archivist myself through my page, yeah. I felt like a little more connected to the directors. It was kind of interesting. I oh, liked seeing really all that footage of like the throwback stuff like post 9-11, which I'd never seen before. Yeah. One of my favorite parts of the book that made it into the film was <laughs> James Murphy on, uh, I think it was Ecstasy. Oh, yeah. I love that that part was incorporated <laughs> into the film. Yeah. So it was really cool to see it play out on screen and kind of be transported. Totally. Overall, I really enjoyed it. I really loved it. It was such a beautiful moment for me to be there for the opening of her film and to be able to moderate it. So what did you think? I just watched it more recently. I couldn't believe how easily I was transported to that time. I mean, the strokes were so huge and like white stripes, like I said, like 
Meg White helped me jump over the fence when I went to like say hello to the Strokes the first time they played in Detroit or something. She was like, oh yeah, I got you. And I was like a high school kid. So that moment in time was just such a big deal. Yeah. So it was cool to watch that. It was also cool because I had met Paul Banks after all of that. I didn't really know so much of the backstory there or Karen's, honestly. I really thought it was such a cool exploration. Like Kimia Dawson, like my analogy is Kimia Dawson is sort of like how I feel about Gen Z, you know, where she was yeah. like, I was sober. <laughs> and when we went on tour of the strokes, I was older than them and sober. She wasn't talking down at all. She was just no, like, we were no. just in different avenues of our lives, which I just feel like I can understand what she means when she's saying that. Yeah. It's interesting you've spoken a lot about Meg White today because I don't know if you saw today that Questlove, I think, was speaking out about how people criticize her drumming. Oh. She had dealt with a lot of stuff in the 2000s of people really second-guessing her as a musician, which really always made me sad. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Even when I make a post of hers, there's always someone being like, oh, you know, her drumming. And I'm like, you know what? I think a lot of this is low-key, like, misogyny. Oh, 100%. She's such a great drummer. So Totally. I love to see her getting, like, her kudos from people. That's awesome. I didn't see that, but thank you, Quest, <laughs> for, like... Championing her. Yeah, because she's so cool. She didn't care about any of it. She was just yeah. like would talk to you like, hey, you know, just like really kind. But she was like, I'm not going to try to be anything that I'm not. I always respected her for that. Like, I remember she did cancel some tours. I don't know what was going on in her life, but I feel like, yeah, the pressure must have been crazy on her, you know? Yeah. And also there's no white stripes without Meg White. 100%. For people to undermine her creative input and her like playing is just bizarro to me. Totally. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. I'm glad you asked that question because it led into a really interesting conversation. Yeah, absolutely. For listeners, make sure to follow Raheel on Instagram at Radio Raheel and check out her album Flowers at Your Feet on May 12th. And also make sure to check out Fables out now. See you later. See you later. See you later.